0: Boom, boom. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Friday edition. I broadcast weekdays, that's Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on WINB and Of course, for more ways to listen, simply go to com and go to the listen page and you can find more ways to listen, including the podcast, the customized apps. Do subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. See at the top right of my website, you'll see these social media icons. That's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. So subscribe to my YouTube channel and like me on Twitter and Facebook. And if you do not have a copy of Power Prayers, don't wait. Go to powerprayers.ca and get yourself a copy of that book. That is an arsenal that every single Christian needs. And I'm telling you, there's not a day that goes by when someone doesn't tell me what this book means to them. So that is very exciting to me. Again, powerprayers.ca. And if you do have a copy, go to Amazon and fill out a review. We had a tremendous rating on there until some donkey went on and just made a ridiculous the, the guy wrote a book basically. I checked him out and it turns out he's he's a pretty pagan dude. Looks like he's into wiccanism or something. Thought it was really ironic that that guy gave us a bad review. There's a real propagated effort. Wiccans, warlocks, witches, pagans, they're not really big fans of this book and rightly so. Do Get your hands on a copy of this book. Let me know also which prayers are making a tremendously big difference in your life. I thank you for the testimonies that have come in, and I do look forward to much more. Well, I want to jump right into the program because this is going to be a fascinating discussion. It is so good to have them both on together. It is the one and only Dr. Thomas Horn and Josh Peck from SkywatchTV.com. They're going to talk about their new book, Abaddon Ascending, subtitled The Ancient Conspiracy at the Center of CERN's Most Secretive Mission. It is my pleasure to have you both back on. Dr. Tom Horn, Josh Peck, welcome to the program. Great to have you on.
1: Well, thanks for having us on, Sheila. Yeah, thank you, Sheila. It's uh, good to be back on your show.
0: My pleasure. Well, the book Abaddon Arising The Ancient Conspiracy at the Center of CERN's Most Secretive Mission, incredible book, so much in this book. And where I want to jump in here, Tom, is when you have a director of research at CERN, Sergio Bertolucci, saying, we plan to open a portal, what, perhaps into an extra dimension, and something might come out of that. In other words, yeah, we're pretty sure something's coming through here. What is that all about, Tom?
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and uh, the title of the book is Abaddon Ascending, and it goes to the core of the question of what are they doing at the Large Hadron Collider in CERN? What are they doing up there on the border of Switzerland and France? You know, they built that right over the top of ancient Apollyocum, uh, which was an area that the Romans considered to be the, literally the doorway into the bottomless pit, into the abyss, into the abusos. So there's a great deal of intrigue around this, and, and uh, Josh and I spent the last year doing investigative work, and uh, it seemed like every time we turned a, another rock over, something else came out of it. And now there's some really very spooky stuff we'll get into on this program that has to do with deep occultism. But you're right. I mean, it turns on researchers. They're saying they're going to discover the existence of extra dimensions, of the realities beyond the three spatial dimensions of length and fourth dimension some people call time. So what are they looking for? Um, well, they say... They're going to open a dimension by creating a magnetic field over 100,000 times more powerful than Earth. And you're right, Sergio Bertolucci, who's the director for research and science computing at CERN, says, uh, you know, something could come through this dimension, and uh, this other dimension in our world, unknown unknowns, he calls them, or maybe we will send something in the other direction. And as we do this program today, Josh can maybe even explain Uh, What he's talking about there with using gravitons to create a kind of high-tech computer code in order to send a message through a dimensional vortex into another reality. But this is real science. Uh, It's really happening. And then, of course, if you look at the idol of Shiva just outside of of, Sarn, Lord Shiva, the destroyer of the world, right? A lot of symbolism A lot of occultism. In fact, recently, CERN employees actually conducted a parody of a satanic sacrifice in front of that giant statue of Shiva. And we'll talk about why they did that and what we think is going on.
0: Well, yeah, and I'll tell you what, there's some very weird stuff going on. You had, as you said, two very pagan, occultic, ritualistic type sex magic one after the other. They're both in Switzerland. You know, it's very suspect why top level science people with high level clearances would be doing that anyway. But yeah, you had the one in CERN there and then at the Gothard base tunnel. Strange to say the least. But Josh, what's the deal with LICO? And could we be looking at technology now to communicate with unseen entities?
1: Oh, yeah, without question. And CERN, the employees at CERN ha- haven't made uh, any secret about this. They've they've come out on their own website even uh, multiple times saying that th- th- this is what they plan to do. And we live in a, in a world that generally doesn't care about this kind of stuff, and they, they know that, and so they can put it out in the open. But, uh, yeah, the, the main idea with how they plan on doing this is by using the particle of gravity, which is called a graviton. Uh, And they're one step closer to being able to manipulate gravitons because, uh, like you pointed out, they detected gravity waves at LIGO. So the idea is uh, gravity is sort of unlike any of the other particles or forces that we know of. Gravity has this ability to seep into other dimensions or to escape our dimension and go off into other dimensions. And actually, that's the leading theory right now as to why gravity, the force of gravity is so much weaker than the other forces. If they can figure that out, then they can um, complete Einstein's work towards a theory of everything or a unified field theory. But but getting back to gravity, they, gravitons themselves have that ability to seep into other dimensions uh, naturally. So the idea that they're uh, working with at CERN, and, and this has been in the works for at least a decade, probably longer. There was even a, a documentary that was narrated by Brian Greene and it had a whole bunch of physicists in it. But there was a, a documentary that was released talking about this stuff and how they want to do this. The idea is to take uh, a string of gravitons and alter the spin to create like a binary code, you know, ones and zeros, like h- how a computer works. Take that string of particles, create a message saying, you know, basically we're here, you know, can, uh, is there anybody out there, you know, I don't know the exact message that they're going to, but something like that, I would imagine. Then release it into another dimension, which then set up a detector and wait for a response. Uh, So one of the intriguing Things about this to, to them is they noticed that once they started doing uh, particle collisions and mapping them out at the Large Hadron Collider at CERN, they were noticing that there was gaps in the data where it looked like particles were just disappearing, which they don't just disappear, they decay into other particles, but uh, usually they end up being a photon or a couple of photons that, that, you know, but you can still measure them. But they noticed these gaps in the data. And that, that's kind of what spawned the idea that it's, it's probably gravitons and they're escaping into other dimensions. So they actually have experimental data to, to support this idea. So for the past 10 years, they've been talking about it. Um, it would surprise me if they don't already have this uh, ability, then they will soon because the next step, and they might already be there. You know, there's a lot that we don't know behind the scenes. But now that they've discovered gravity waves, Uh, the next step would be to replicate that in the lab. Um, And once they can do that, that brings them to uh, a point where they they would know how to manipulate gravity waves slash particles, which Einstein showed that they're essentially the same thing, uh, waves and particles. That's what E equals MC squared is all about. But they're only one step away from being able to do this if they can't already. So my question is, if they're sending a message into an extra dimension, which we as Christians would recognize as the spiritual realm or spiritual existence, who's going to be answering back? Because it certainly won't be God. (laughs) You know, if we want to talk to God, we we can pray, but who's going to be answering back? And I I think we're, we're given that answer in Revelation 9.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get into that for sure, because, you know, it's interesting, Tom, when Josh mentions, you know, what is the point of opening doorways? If CERN succeeds in opening a portal to another dimension, first, Tom, what could happen? Because it kind of seems to point to invoking old gods, because as you said, this LHC, this Large Hadron Collider, I mean, you're talking about a vast 27-kilometer ring of superconducting magnets with a number of accelerating structures to boost the energy of the particles along the way. And when you look at the location being smack dab on what you said, the ancient ruins that venerated the Roman gods of Apollo, it all kind of ties in, doesn't it?
2: Well, it, it does. It all ties in. So, what I would say to your listeners out there, if, if maybe they don't quite understand physics, and, and Josh is brilliant at taking these very complex ideas and parsing them down into language that everybody can understand. Uh, but just think of it as a new Babylon. You know, what did Nimrod want to do? He's going to build a tower, the top of which has some kind of mechanism around it. None of us today know exactly what that was, but it was angelic technology. But the purpose behind it was to open a doorway, a portal. Uh, We are going to build a tower whose top will open penetrate into shamayim the dwelling place of the watcher angels the dwelling place of god they wanted to make contact with what we would call another dimension another reality like Josh said a moment ago we would call this the spirit world but a scientist just would call it a parallel reality a parallel universe and they totally do believe by the way that not only is there parallel realities in the physics sense of the word but that there are also intelligence there. Like the uh, documentary that Josh mentioned a moment ago by Brian Greene, that was made a a few years ago where they're talking about using gravitons to communicate with another dimension. They actually illustrate other people-like entities that are on the other side of this wall that we're going to make contact with. Well, if you take this, though, back to the occult aspect, because... We know that when the watchers came down, what does the Bible say that they did? What is Peter and Jude in the book of Enoch? It says they left their habitation, they left their fixed plane of existence and came through a doorway, came through into our reality. This is an occultic, it's not only occultic, it's the highest level of occult aspirations, and it was judged immediately by God. Uh, and in fact, even when it goes to pharmacia, the use of drugs for expanding your mind to put yourself into contact with those who are on the other side of this veil, on the other side of a wall, God forbids this. In the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Leviticus, in Revelation 9, when the, when the doorway to the underworld is open, the bottomless pit, and the entities come up and start torturing humanity, it's very curious that at the end of that chapter it says about those who are being tortured, it says, and yet they repented not of their sorcery, and it uses the word their pharmakia. They repented not of their effort to open a doorway to make contact with ultra ter- uh, terrestrial. So uh, this is occultic in nature. Now, to go back to the Gotthard Tunnel uh, ceremony and CERN and all that, have you ever seen a time, Sheila, where there is so much dark occultism that's moving into the mainstream, into public view? You have Satan clubs that are now openly... Being hosted at grade schools across the United States of America, you have Baphomet satanic statues being erected on public grounds all across the United states and and proposed for other places like Oklahoma, Detroit, and so on. You had the satanic sacrifice at CERN you had the all day long Gotthard base tunnel satanic ceremony in Switzerland that was attended by government leaders from germany and and all kind you know uh, Italy all kinds of other Uh, nations that came there. But here's what troubles me even more, and that is what we discovered through these bizarre WikiLeaks, Uh, revelations involving Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, his brother Tony, and, and who knows who all else in the U.S. government, involved in spirit cooking, those were some of the emails. And this is this is really, really dark, satanic stuff. Menstrual blood, semen, breast milk, urine, just disgusting. And they talk about this stuff being used in, in one example that you can see on um, YouTube. You know, Marina Abramovic, she calls herself an artist, but she's a Satanist of the highest order. Uh, and she's, you know, she takes congealed blood that has this other mixture in it, and they call it spirit cooking, and she's doing what she calls artwork, but literally she's just painting on the wall, take a knife and stab it into the middle finger of your left hand and as much as you can and draw it through and, and eat the pain, and it just just completely satanic. And yet what we learned in the, in the WikiLeaks was Tony Podesta emailing his brother John Podesta on U.S. government email servers and if you look at the language there, it's very intimate. What do I mean by that? I mean it's obvious that these people all know each other and they do this stuff together. Because Tony doesn't—he doesn't try to introduce who Marina is. He emails John and he says, "Hey, are you going to be in New York on a certain day?" Uh, Marina wants to know if you want to come over to her house for a spirit cooking ceremony. So this—you know—this is very intimate kind of language that tells us that an awful lot of the people who were involved in the Clinton campaign and who are part of our government. These are government insiders at the highest level. These are people who are participating in very, very dark, satanic stuff. This is uh, spirit cooking. This was founded by Aleister Crowley. This is from the Book of the Law. And this marina who's most assuredly possessed and controlled by these demonic forces is not only emailing Tony and and whatever, she's a darling of the Hollywood elite. And evidently, now we know also some of the U.S. government elite. It is very much also connected to the opening of doorways and even the birth date of Hillary Clinton and what I think these high-level Satanists believed or still do believe about the role that Hillary Clinton is supposed to play, and it has everything to do with gateways of the earth opening, entities coming up out of the earth, and even what we would call end times prophecy. We, l- we look at this, and we look at Isaiah, open the gates, you ruler, I give command, giants are coming to fulfill my wrath. We know that's part of prophecy. They're, they're looking at these giants, too. If you look at the, the Gothard tunnel ceremony, and they show the giant, uh, spinning vortex emanating out of CERN and then you see a giant awaken and then these entities all start coming up out of the earth and then out of that is born the CERN, CERN NUNOS, uh, is born literally you know, in a body, a horned god who becomes the king of the earth. They're totally looking forward to this moment. They're looking forward to the fulfillment of the prophecy on the great seal of the United States of America where Abaddon arises, where Apollyon, Apollo, is born again into a body of flesh where revelation is fulfilled. The world is going to marvel when they say he that was and is not and yet shall be. They think he's going to be the triumphant God over earth, and finally these occultists believe they're going to prevail against Christ, against the God of the Bible. And by the way, that's the reason why in Ali Esther Crowley's Book of the Law, when he's talking about spirit cooking and all that, that's why this artwork so-called that people can see online is the veneer over much deeper Satanism that is spelled out in the Book of the Law that uses the spirit cooking recipes but uses it during the Black Mass so that they're creating blasphemies against the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And even more than that, we could talk about some of the stuff that happened earlier this year where the Hollywood elite gathered and actually ate the cakes made out of this crap and celebrated it. And we're talking the highest level Hollywood elite, the biggest stars and the biggest starlets in Hollywood. Very, very dark Satanism. It's astonishing. Josh and I yesterday... We're on the set with Jim Baker for five straight hours, and we filmed a whole week of programs that are going to be playing here in another week or so. And I told them there, and everybody agreed. I think that God has given us a moment. I think that God put his foot on the brakes. I think that God saved those who were in the dark from a moment. We were on a precipice. We were about to step over a precipice. And I think we've been given a moment in time, and the, and the church needs to make sure they do what is responsible to be preachers of the gospel while we have time, because it is most assuredly true that the, that the darkest, most powerful Satanists in the world have a plan to incarnate a kingdom that the Bible defines as that moment when the Antichrist begins his reign on the earth.
0: Right. Well, it's interesting, Tom, you mentioned that scripture there in Revelation 9 about verse 21, their judgments, and they repented not of their sorcery. The Greek word there, pharmakia, ties into opening doorways, putting themselves in contact with other dimensions, practicing sorcery and witchcraft and mind expansion. And when you look at all these occultists, you mentioned Alistair Crowley, Of course, Aleister Crowley once dined with Aldous Huxley. Now, Huxley, who wrote Doors of Perception in 1954 on a drug-induced peyote trip, and side note, it was Aleister Crowley who introduced Huxley to peyote, Crowley joined this esoteric, hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn where they were trained in ceremonial sorcery and magic. And here's a parallel interesting, Josh, you'll enjoy this, that the new Marvel movie, Doctor Strange has the ability to open portals, jump through dimensions, through sorcery. And the kicker is in the new movie, there's a cameo where Stan Lee is actually sitting on a bus reading that Aldous Huxley book, Doors of Perception. Now I've got a comic book here from 1963 and Doctor Strange says in the speech bubble, I have to tap into the powers of Ashtar, aka Ishtar. These occultists, especially Freemasons, are always into this raising of Osiris. So when you've got opening portals and dimensions using sorcery, pharmakia, high-level witchcraft, this really is a recipe for conjuring up the spirits of the ages.
2: Yeah, well, it absolutely is. And again, if you read Aliaster Crowley's instructions around this, which is what Marina uses, and it's obviously what the Podestas and them are all participating in, it's very detailed in how that is actually intended to create a union between man and supernatural entities. The same thing you're talking about in Revelation 9, where they repented not of their sorcery, their pharmakia, their attempt to put themselves into contact with supernatural entities, and the the biblical uh, term their pharmakia. This is specifically the use of of drugs, like you're talking about, uh, of using whether it's DMT or some of these other drugs, to change their state of mind in order to put themselves in the contact. And and one thing I love that Dr. Heiser says, he says, God does not create rules prohibiting things that don't work. So in other words, you know, God would not forbid using pharmacia or mind-expanding drugs to put yourself in contact with uh, other dimensional entities if, in fact, that didn't even work, he wouldn't make just a stupid rule that doesn't mean anything, right? So it does work. There are shamans and, and whatever down through time that have used different mind-expanding drugs in order to induce contact with supernaturalism, and that's partly what this whole spirit-cooking thing uh, is about. and so I'm not recommending, by the way, I did this because I'm a researcher, and I did it did a long time ago. I'm not recommending people read the Book of the Law or any of the you know the books that are published by the Church of Satan or any of that other junk. Uh, I'm simply saying that most of the world is probably not aware in these Podesta emails that as soon as I saw that spirit cooking and some of this other stuff, it dawned on me that these people are real believers that Hillary might be the fulfillment of the Babylon working. This comes out of 1946. It's all Aliezer Crowley. It begins in the early 1900s with Aliezer Crowley. He conducts the Amalantra working. He says he's going to open a portal, like CERN's trying to do. He's going to open a portal into another dimension, and he, he claims that he was successful. In fact, he drew a picture of a character he called Lamb, L-A-M. People can Google that and see the image of Lamb that he drew. Uh, Many years later, people are drawing almost identical images, but now they're calling them alien greys. But again, other dimensional entities making contact with Earth. And that's another thing, and, and Josh can go into this, in those Podesta emails, it wasn't just spirit cooking. They were also talking about official disclosure of aliens coming in 2017. And they're all talking about this as if they're getting ready for it. They're getting prepared. For this government disclosure that we are in contact with uh, other dimensional entities, and interestingly, in the, in the Podesta emails, they're not talking about life on some far distant planet. They're talking about uh, intelligence in a parallel reality. But I'll let Josh explain that. So this is what uh, Aleister Crowley. Is trying to do. So now you fast forward to 1946, and you've got Jack Parsons, the founder of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL, that has huge contracts with the governments today, and his friend L. Ron Hubbard, who started the Church of Scientology, which is all based on uh, aliens and putting yourself in contact with aliens. And these two guys try to recreate. What Aliaster Crowley had done, they're both students of his or students of o t o and the religion of Thelema which is what spirit cooking comes out of uh, they're students of his, so they conduct in the nineteen forty six uh, a whole series of sex magic rituals called the babylon working b a b a l o n and uh, long story short, they claim they were successful in fact, uh, Jack Parsons in his own biography publishes kind of a, a celebratory statement in which he says that in 1946 a female child was incarnate. Because what was the Babylon working about? It was the effort to try to bring forward from the other dimension into our reality the whore of Babylon, the spirit of Babylon. And he says that uh, that a female child was conceived in 1946 and that that child would be born in 1947 She would grow up, he said, to become the uh, most famous champion of feminism, that she would become some kind of a global political leader. So um, that was the same year, 1947, that was the year that Hillary Clinton was born. So I'm telling you that there is absolutely no chance whatsoever that it is a coincidence that the people who are around Hillary Clinton were practicing Thelema, were practicing the same kind of dark Aleister Crowley-based book of the law, OTO, Babylon-working type ritual magic. It's because they truly believe that she was and is. That's what they believe, that she is the whore of Babylon incarnate. That's what they believe. I'm telling you that there is no way in the world, the chances would be astronomical, that the people around her were practicing the same exact magic from the 1940s that these guys were practicing and referring to it in spirit cooking and all of the rest of it that's right out of the book of philema they would not be doing that if they themselves did not believe that hillary was the incarnation of that 1947 birth and so now of course then you look at hillary and and she may, she's hinting that she may leave politics forever i think she's saying that because she's thinking she may go to jail uh, or at least be you know under such severe investigation against the Clinton Foundation that you might not be able to, to, you know, realistically consider a 2020 run. But she also has said a few things lately in which she's looking forward to the year 2020. Well, guess what? If she runs in four years from now, she's healthy enough, and supernaturalism can create dark health. Never think that isn't true. In the same way that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit can extend our lives, the warlocks of Egypt that could repeat the miracles that Moses was conducting at the hand of God illustrated that these dark uh, warlocks and witches have very very much have power and they might think they can extend her life so that in 2020 when she would be, guess what, 72 years old. It's the highest number in ritual occultism. It is the highest number in Freemasonic occultism. Why? Because 72 is the number of the dark cosmocraters that rule the world today. They're the ones that directly serve under Satan, who Jesus called the god of this world. That's why there's 72 pentagrams beneath the apotheosis of George Washington and the U.S. Capitol Dome. It doesn't go any higher. This is the highest level of satanic rituals anywhere on the planet. And now we know from the WikiLeaks scandal that all those who were in and around Hillary were practicing this stuff because they believed that she was going to become the one who was going to give birth. She would be the whore of Babylon, while the Antichrist would be the male archetype, divine feminine ruling on earth during the reign of the Antichrist. And that was the precipice that we were on. And Josh Peck and I were talking about this in Abaddon Ascending. And by the way, if somebody decides they're going to get the book, Abaddon Ascending, Uh, If they decide they're going to do that, they ought to do it as fast as possible at skywatchtv.com. Why? Because the biggest giveaway in the history of our organization is going on, and it's not going to last very long. We're literally giving away over $400. Go there, buy the book Abaddon Ascending. We're giving away $400. In free books, free DVDs, free Bible software, free audiobooks, just a bunch of stuff. Unbelievable. We've never done it before. We'll never do it again. It's first come, first served. So if you're going to get the book anyway, don't get it at Amazon. Go to skywatchtv.com, get it over there. And you, we don't care if you resell this stuff. We don't care if you uh, give it away as holiday presents or stocking stuffers or whatever. But it's, good. but it's only going to be a very narrow window. So if you're going to get Abaddon ascending anyway, if you want to know more about what we're talking about on this program, that's the place to do it.
0: Well, Abaddon, again, ascending. Apollyon, the Greek name meaning destroyer, given in Revelation 9, the angel of the bottomless pit. In Hebrew, of course, Abaddon also identified as the king of the demonic locust described in Revelation. Josh, how does Ezekiel one and Revelation nine fit into all this?
1: Yeah, um Ezekiel one is a it's a phenomenal chapter of the in in the Bible because we get we get a Some say that it was a vision, but when we use terms like that, it makes it sound like it wasn't real or or it didn't really happen and he just saw it in his head or something. But uh, Ezekiel actually has, I would call it an encounter with heavenly beings, with beings actually of God. And the interesting thing here is if we compare Ezekiel 1 and Revelation 9, we actually get an antithesis and it tells us who these locusts actually are. Um and I'll say too that uh people all in ancient Mesopotamia saw these fallen locust you know they're called locusts in in revelation, but that doesn't have to be because they look like locusts it's more about their their job that they come to destroy and everything uh, but it's interesting that they don't destroy the earth but the the people and i'll i'll get I'll jump back to that in a in a minute, but when Ezekiel saw the the cherubim of God that that held up the throne of God he noticed what looked like an amalgamation of uh human form and animal forms. So you have like a humanoid body with the face of a lion and the face of an Eagle. When you read it on the surface, it sounds like you have two different faces. One is the face of a lion, and one is the face of a man. But really, when you look into the text, especially if you break it down in the Hebrew, what's actually going on there is you have one face that's bisected uh, vertically, that's half lion, uh, half man. That's later proven uh, in in the book of, in, later on in the book of Ezekiel when he's talking about the future temple and everything, uh, he describes it a little bit further. But uh, so you have you have. One of the faces is half lion, half man, bi- bisected vertically. So now when we look to Revelation 9, and if somebody isn't uh, familiar with the term antithesis, basically what it means is opposite. And usually when we're talking about biblical things, it's usually like an evil yet opposite kind of thing. Uh, in Revelation, we were given a description of these locust things. But instead of having human-type bodies and more animal-type heads, that part's flipped. It's more human-like heads and animal-type bodies, which that actually points back to the Lamassu and Shadu of ancient Mesopotamia. Uh, but specifically in the description of the face, we're told that they have the teeth of a li- teeth of lions and uh, then like women's hair and, and things like that. So we have the same half man half lion only this time it's bisected horizontally instead of vertically so it's showing an antithesis so we can we can t- take a look at that description and say okay well this is basically satan's version of what Ezekiel saw, because for everything God has, Satan has an inferior duplicate, because Satan has never had an original thought of his own. He, he just takes everything from God and twists it. Um, now, when we get to the part about Abaddon in, in Revelation 9, because in Ezekiel, the four cherubim around the throne of God, they're holding up uh, the throne of God, and he, he's coming out from like out from the sky. In, in Revelation 9, it says that these fallen Cherubim, these locusts, it says they have a king over them. That word over comes from the Greek word epi and actually can mean physically over. It doesn't only have to mean like a uh like a ruling power or anything, it can mean physically over. In in the gospels, when uh when Satan took Jesus onto the top of the temple, it uses that same word epi. So um it's talking about they physically they're holding up their God apollo apollyon abaddon but instead of coming out of the sky they're coming up out of the bottomless pit so it's all antithesis so we we can see what the enemy's planning on doing here now what's interesting uh and i I mentioned before that uh they don't hurt the the earth they these locusts they don't Uh, They don't hurt the earth. It it says that, uh, in a sense, commanded not to. Going back to these Podesta emails, and more and more are coming out all the time, and and Tom and I are are scrambling to keep them cataloged and and researched out, uh, but... John Podesta was in contact with an individual named Edgar D. Mitchell. He was uh, an Apollo 14 astronaut. He was the sixth man to walk on the moon, which the sixth man—I mean—that's that, just interesting. There, he was the chief science officer and founder of Quantrek, which is an organization trying to bring quantum technology into the world. He was emailing John Podesta all the time. You know, they—they—they they, they were. Uh, Nearly constant communication trying to set up, uh, set, talking about setting up meetings, uh, between them and, uh, sometimes they mention Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or even, uh, Pope Francis. Um, and all of them say pretty much the same thing. I'll just, I'll read one of these and then, uh, I'll, I'll kind of break it down because th- this one I actually just found today. Um, because again, these are being released all the time. Uh, so Edgar Mitchell says, uh, dear John, now that, you know, referring to John Podesta, now that you are no longer serving in the white house, I write to you and, and Aaron requesting our face-to-face meeting to discuss zero point energy and disclosure. And I'll stop there for a second. That's what all of these emails back and forth have to do with. They also talk about extraterrestrials, but it's a uh, zero point energy, which is basically in, in scientific terms, it's vacuum energy. it's, it's, Harnessing the energy, basically, of just reality that's all around us as, like, a free energy source. Uh, And then official disclosure, you know, telling the world about extraterrestrials. Uh, So continuing on. Our Quantrek science intuitive has provided us with a few facts about our nonviolent, contiguous universe ETI, extraterrestrial intelligences, who promote pacifism, and he put that in all caps when he wrote it, pacifism among humans and with whom we work. So that's what all these are about, these extraterrestrial intelligences. who, And I mean, every time that they talk about them, they always make the point of how uh, nonviolent they are. And one, one email even said that they obey God. They, they even brought God into it. Um, in this particular email... He gives four facts about these non-violent contiguous universe ETI. And basically what contiguous universe, when they're saying that, they're not referring to another planet. They're referring to beings from another dimension. They say that they come from a contiguous universe. So, And that's actually the first in this bulleted list, the very first item, the very first fact about them. All true ETIs do not inhabit this universe. So they've even come to a point where they realize that anything in this universe that is, you know, acting like it's from this universe, they're lying. You know, all true ETI, all true extraterrestrial intelligence is actually from a a parallel or higher uh, dimension. Uh, Number two, so-called ETIs are, in fact, just celestials. Uh, They are higher in rank than discarnate spirits, even those who are evolved However, they just mirror violence on Earth, feeling threatened by contamination of their abode. So what this is saying is the only reason the, uh, the they call them celestials, uh, but the, the the beings that take on physicality, we might think of it in that way. And it's interesting that it says they're higher in rank than discarnate spirits. So, I mean, they're they're higher in rank than demons is what they're saying here, uh, even those who are evolved. Um, but what they're saying is the reason that these aliens are so violent, you know, and they're not talking about the the ones from a parallel universe. Uh, they're talking about these these other ones. What we might think of like the reptilians or the greys or something like that. They're saying that the reason that they're so violent is because they're mirroring what they see on Earth, and they feel threatened that we're going to contaminate their abode with, with our violence. You know, it's all our fault. Uh, now, there's, there's something, and th- this is another common thread through all these emails. These ETIs, for some reason, are very concerned about the Earth. They don't want the Earth harmed, And again, that's just right out of Revelation 9. That's one of the characteristics of these locust beings that, for some reason, they're commanded to not hurt the earth. Uh, Okay, uh, number three. Extra-universal ETIs, on the other hand, have long ago evolved past violence relying on spiritual intelligence to avert destruction. So this is what they believe. They've so far evolved spiritually that they don't even war anymore. So, of course, we, we as humanity should learn from them and learn our spirituality through these things. Uh, number four, the Phoenix lights and other sightings have provided ample evidence that the Earth has been visited by beings whose intention is purely peace and who have non violently hovered over Phoenix and other sites, waiting to be asked to help when they could most easily have destroyed the city with their uses of consciousness. So he's saying that the Phoenix Lights, oh, they just came down and they were just waiting to be asked to help. And if only we would have come together as uh, as the human race and asked for help, then surely they would have come down and help us. It's like, yeah, right. But, <laughs> But this is what they believe. So then he says, you know, please let me know three dates and times that work for your schedule. All of these emails back and forth are showing is their belief that, these etis and not only do they exist because there's again if you look at the language of the email there's no trying to convince anybody of anything everybody already believes this you know to them it's just like a common fact so not only do they b- believe or know this to be true uh, but they believe that they they are here these etis are here for humanity's benefit and it's up to them uh you know podesta and all these other people it's up to them to allow or, or, or to get the human race to a point where they can accept a disclosure event. And, and actually, John Podesta tweeted out near the end of Obama's uh, second term, tweeted out that he had failed, and he, he was he was uh, almost thrown into a depression over this, that he had failed to convince Obama to put forth official disclosure to America and to the world. So his hopes were that Hillary Clinton would do that. And that's why Hillary Clinton made that really weird announcement a few months ago that if she she was if she was going to be elected president she would do everything she could to reveal the truth about aliens and stuff like that you know and 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 again these emails are getting are getting leaked almost on a daily basis so there's there's a lot of them but they basically all revolve around that idea so going back to revelation nine uh that's exactly these types of beings. That that's exactly what CERN is, is trying to connect with. Uh, that's what they were trying to connect with uh, at Babel. That's what John Podesta wants to connect with, and that that's eventually what the entire world is going to want to connect with. So, and we are right on the uh, on the precipice of, of this. So, uh, that that's uh, that, that's why we had to get this book out as as you know as soon as we could, and why it's so prevalent with what's going on in the world today.
2: Uh, let me add, uh, Josh and uh, Sheila, that um, the email you're talking about today, Josh, is a new one to me. I've seen yeah. some of the other emails that reflect some of that, so that's very interesting. Make sure I get yep. a copy of that. We're going to be using we're going to be using um, some programs that use algorithms and whatever to search through all the tens of thousands of emails to find different issues. And by the way, even the word Thelma, the uh, alister Crowley dark occultism, I did not know until I was on with Hagman and Hagman the other day. And uh, Doug Hagman told me that they, they're doing this, too. I didn't know they were. Uh, but the term Philema had actually turned up two or three times. So I wasn't, it wasn't a stretch of the imagination, the connection that I'm making here with this the Crowley-level occultism. But on the email you were just reading, uh, and this is the second time I've heard this, Josh, you mentioned the fact that uh, one of the people that's involved in the email uh, exchanges says about these entities that they obey God. I know that that, the person who said that is probably the same one that said it in a different email. That's actually a Vatican representative. Even the Vatican have people that are interchanging emails with Podestas and all them towards an official disclosure moment that they've been hoping will happen in 2017. So it's interesting how much we've gone full circle, right? Because this is what Corrado Balducci was saying years ago. The Vatican is aware of the aliens. They're using their embassies around the world. And Corrado Balducci was no Johnny-come-lately. He was the Vatican's official spokesperson. Official. He was the one appointed by the Vatican to be the answer man for what are UFOs and what are aliens. And he was the one that shortly before he died under mysterious causes went in a documentary and he said, The Vatican is fully aware that the aliens, that there's an advance guard, they're already here. And he, too, is saying the same thing. They obey God. They obey the Catholic God. You know, they spoke almost as if they had some kind of Mephistophelian deal, like a bargain or something. They're not going to challenge our authority on certain religious issues. But we know that that's what's going to happen, right? When this great deception happens, this so-called official disclosure And the the morning that everybody wakes up out of their beds and the world stands still, and the the Pope, together with uh, the President of the United States and the leaders of Britain and the leaders of other countries, uh, walk out into the well of the United Nations, and they say, we have an announcement to make. We are in contact with advanced extraterrestrial intelligence. It's going to cause the world to come to a standstill. And we know that so many of the people in the world are going to be looking to their religious leaders for answers, and that's why the Vatican is positioning itself to be the go-to source, the answer source for, you know, what is this? What does it mean? But to find out that the same people that are running in these Thelema occultic circles and practicing the highest level of dark Satanism are also connected with the people that are the spokespersons for the Vatican, when they say, They obey God. My question is, what God are they talking about?
0: Maybe they're talking about the God of creation, regeneration. Because good old Hindu Shiva, the transgender destroyer God, notice the third eye, the Apollo's crown, the crescent moon, straight out of the Baphomet. Shiva is the supreme God of Shaivism. So not surprising that outside of CERN, where they're opening something, there you have this God sitting out there interesting
2: yeah well absolutely i mean the the whole idea behind shiva it's the god that destroys at the molecular level and then reconstitutes and when it's doing its dance its feet are shown to be standing on the top of ignorance so basically what that what that symbolism says is those of us uh who may not necessarily agree with the efforts at CERN we're the ignorant but at CERN they're going to basically they're going to dance on our head but the deeper hindu beliefs around this are, are also interesting because it goes to particle physics this idea that you're going to completely discombobulate you're going to completely what would the term be josh you're going to cause all of all of nature creation everything is going to be is going to um,
1: decay and disintegrate and basically yeah. what they're doing uh, with particles at the LHC, just on a universal yeah. level.
2: Right and then but then it's all going to be reassimilated into a better world, a new golden age. It, again, it comes full circle over and over and over again that we're looking towards a moment in time in the very near future in which everything we understand as it is today is going to be swallowed up in a new golden age, the new dawn, the arrival of Apollo. That was the siren's song. That was the Sibyl's song. Tis thine own, Apollo Reigns. That's from which we take, you know, the mottos that are on the great seal of the United States of America. The Novus Ordo Seclorum, the new world order, is literally taken from the prophecies, of the Kume Sibyl, the most powerful of all of the ancient Sibyls, who was the spokeswoman for the underworld, god Apollo, that the day is coming in which he is going to return. Revelation says it a different way. He that was and is not yet shall be. The day is coming when he's going to return. And, of course, you know, uh, President Roosevelt uh, his vice president Henry Wallace, they were both 32nd degree Freemasons. They're the ones who insisted on putting the uh, Great Seal of the United States on the U.S. one dollar bill because they both believe in. Henry Wallace wrote about this extensively in his own memoirs that they both were convinced that the Great Seal, the obverse side of the Great Seal, the Novus Ordo Seclorum, was what he called a Masonic prophecy about a future global leader who would, who would take his seat in Washington, D.C., and would become the king of planet Earth. And Wallace was very much an occultist, very much connected to, uh, to Nikolai Rorik, uh, who carried around the little casket, and they all believed that they had the DNA or whatever of Osiris, which is the Egyptian equivalent of the Greek god Apollo, and that somehow he was going to be reanimated. At the end of time, and when he came back to life, then he was going to become uh, the god of this world. And that's the reason why at the inauguration of every American president, this is going to happen even when it's Trump being inaugurated uh, in uh, January. Over, uh, you know, on 16th Street, just a, a few blocks away from the White House, the 33rd degree Freemasons are going to come together at the house of the temple, the Herodome, and they will conduct the Raising of Osiris ceremony as symbolism, as a parody, in anticipation of the day that Osiris actually will rise from the underworld, or what we would also call Apollo, would, will rise from the underworld and will take his rightful place incarnate within the king of planet Earth, the Antichrist. So that's the prophecy. That's what they're all looking forward to. It's an underworld issue. Uh, you know, one of the things that I didn't understand that Josh brought out, and it fascinated me, was that when they built the Large Hadron Collider, there was no reason whatsoever to put it underground. They didn't have to do that. They could have just as easily built it above ground. So why did they go through all this effort to dig down into the Earth and put this thing underground where the ancients believed that the doorway to the Abusos, to the abyss, the doorway to Apollo in the ancient world was believed to be right in the center of where they dug down into the earth and spent extraordinary levels of money to build the Large Hadron Collider under the surface of the earth, uh, it, it's um, it's pretty amazing. But we go into a lot of this in Abaddon Ascending. Uh, and uh, again, I you know I, I hope if people do buy that, get it from SkyWatchTV.com. I'm the publisher, by the way. I make money if they buy it at Amazon. It don't matter. So I'm just saying that you know. If you want to get an unparalleled opportunity, go to skywatchtv.com, get it over there if you're going to get it, and get the other $400 in free merchandise that you can give away as Christmas gifts or keep or whatever.
0: Well, that's an unprecedented offer. Tom and Josh. And I really appreciate you. You know, you've laid this out so well. And really, when you look at all this magnetic disruption, the plasma conduits, the nanotech, the quantum computing, AI, new quantum computer, the holograph tech, this sort of intense cross pollination between all this biotech and nanotech. And as you've laid out so well, Tom, and inhuman, the documentary, the transhumanism, you know, the question is begged is what are we being changed into? It's like the watchers tinkering with genetics, not unlike what these guys are trying to do at CERN, unleashing the spirits of the ages. And, you know, the question becomes, you know, are we going to get tinkered with to the Point, while they're summoning or invoking these demons or whatever they're doing underground, it seems like there's an agenda to transmogrify us, morph us into something that isn't human. Inhuman, the very title of your documentary, if we become inhuman, does that therefore mean we're not eligible for redemption, salvation? It certainly is an agenda to change the order of God, that's for certain.
2: Uh, well, I appreciate you asking that question because that brings up a whole other issue with the spirit cooking, the occultism. The whole purpose around that is to actually change people's DNA. One of the research projects that I'm in right now, which will be a follow-up to the Path of the Immortals, and this is something Josh and I will be working on uh, in 2017, we've uncovered where uh, out of the Four Corners area, where there are there was enti- there was an entire graveyard of people with six fingers, six toes, distorted mandibles, two rows of teeth, and literally, basically, the men of Moab, women of Moab. But in conjunction with them, it is very apparent that there was cannibalism, and some of the texts that belong to the Hopi and Zuni Pueblo Indians indicate to us, and by the way, some of this is even Smithsonian research, indicate that they were practicing a kind of magic that they cannibalized other individuals for satanic purposes, not because they were starving to death. They didn't need them as food. They were practicing something that came up from the Mesoamerica, Aztec, and Maya. And, and it's connected, by, by the way, even to the worship of Quetzalcoatl, this great feathered serpent. But why am I mentioning this? Because uh, it, it, the, the details include information that suggests that by participating in this ritual magic, their DNA was actually altered. They actually became something different. They became a fit receptacle for the resurrection of what we would call Raphaim. So, once again, you know, we've run out of time. We're not going to get to talk about it. Get Abaddon ascending. Read about the research that we have just concluded and what we're also in the middle of right now.
0: Josh, final thoughts?
1: Sure. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that Tom said, and, um, yeah, you know, part part of our calling as Christians is to expose the the darkness of the enemy and expose uh, the lies and everything like that. Um, you know, that that's what we're doing. But we're, I I think a lot of times when Christians take up that type of mantle, a, a lot of times it comes out in ways that's not very loving. And I, I actually I wrote the conclusion to the book, and what I ended on is yeah, we're we're talking about a lot of dark things. We're talking about a lot of dark evil things but even through all that we have to realize who our true enemy is and Ephesians 6 tells us that Ephesians 6 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and things like that it's a spiritual enemy so our, our enemy isn't other people um, right. and'll I'll say even even the even the people, uh, involved in some of these just awful, awful, awful things. The true enemy are, are the, the spiritual beings that are holding these people in ignorance and in bondage to where they believe they're actually doing the right thing. Uh, that's the power that needs to be broken, and that's what we're trying to do by exposing it. Uh, so it it is easy to hate the people that do this stuff. It's really easy. But I think a, more, uh, a, a better way to go about it that'll actually have more of, make more of a difference is to come against the spiritual enemy in the name of Jesus Christ and then try to evangelize these people and get them saved. That's going to be what will bring true change.
0: Right. Well said, Josh. It is definitely a spiritual battle, and it is not God's will for any to perish. And I really want to thank you both for laying out this information so well Tying this research all together. I mean, Tom, every one of your books from Exo Vaticana to Petrus Romanus to Apollyon Rising, it all really ties in together. So, thank you for your research and thank you so much for you both coming on the show today. And I really encourage people get this latest book, get it now, this unprecedented deal, $400 a free product. This is just a deal you have to get right now while supplies last. Thank you, Tom and Josh.
1: All right. God bless you, Sheila. Yep, God bless. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us on.
0: Thanks, gentlemen. Folks, that was Dr. Tom Horn, Josh Peck, the authors of Abaddon Ascending. Get this unprecedented deal. Go to Skywatch TV. I've also got a direct link there on the December 2nd bio today. Do get that tremendous information they've compiled. Just a fantastic job. These guys are so great. I had the privilege of meeting them when I went to Skywatch to talk about my book, Green Gospel. What a tremendous group. Just fantastic. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'm going to be sending out that e-newsletter over the weekend. Sign up for my free e-newsletter. Simply go to weekendvigilante.com. It's on the right-hand side. You can't miss it. And I do send a lot of e-alerts, so make sure you are subscribed to that. We have a fantastic lineup next week. You're not going to want to miss. Have a very blessed weekend, and we'll see you next week. Good night, and God bless you.